one. I am so glad you're here this morning to worship with us. We're going to start with reading a scripture out of Zephaniah. Um, I invite you to read it along with me. So sing, daughter Zion, raise the rafters, Israel. Daughter Jerusalem, be happy, celebrate. God has reversed his judgments against you and sent your enemies off chasing their tails. From now on, God is Israel's king in charge at the center. There's nothing to fear from evil ever again. Hallelujah. Jerusalem will be told, don't be afraid. Dear Zion, don't despair. Your God is present among you, a strong warrior there to save you. Happy to have you back. He'll calm you with his love and delight you with his songs. I love this scripture to start worship. It reminds us that we have a reason to celebrate. He's forgiven our sins. We, have no, we, we don't have to fear evil anymore. Amen. I invite you to stand and join us as we sing. Creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him, Hallelujah! The sun, thou burning sun, art so strong.
take a moment at your seat to thank him. You got two things you can thank him for.
gratitude to him. Dear Lord Jesus, I just, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we get to be here, the freedom of getting to be here. I just pray, Lord, for all those who are absent um, with sickness and stuff going around and Pastor Brian, Lord, the Troxel family, as they've just been really hit hard, like a lot of families this season. And I just pray, Lord, that um, Pastor Brian will know that we're thinking of him, we're praying of him. That this will be a time where um, his body can just uh, heal and rest and relax. And um, knowing that you are right there with him and we send our love to him. And I just thank you for all that you do for us. Even in the weeks that we've had and the challenges we've had and the joy that we've had throughout this week, Lord. Just how you're in it all and you choose to be in it all with us. Just thank you for um, this offering, that you will bless it, that you will disperse it the way that you choose to, and that we can just continue to build your kingdom with it. Amen. And kiddos, if you want to come up and do your joyful offering, that'd be great. Um, we are not going to have sermon in the sack today because Pastor Brian's not feeling well. We'll get back to it again on in February. I do have some announcements, though. Let me get to that. This is why I like paper better than technology, but here we go. <laughs> I'm old school. Um, okay, so we've been hearing that a lot of people aren't getting the church emails. Sorry about that. Um, I think there's going to be something that comes up on the screen. Our emails usually go out um, on either Tuesday or Wednesday of each week. We have our awesome Miss Barbara who takes a lot of time putting all of those together, giving great thoughts about what happened on Sunday. So if you are not getting those, this is the email that you should be getting it from. Please check your spam, check your junk folder. Um, but if you're not getting them still, then go ahead and um, email Sarah, who checks this email, our worship pastor slash business person, our office person, and she'll get you hooked up with that. Sometimes I've heard it helps that if you actually make it a contact, so if you actually make a contact, Woodland Church, however you want to put it, and put this email in, <clears throat> excuse me, that's been helpful for a lot of people. Excuse me. Um, also, once again, most of you know this for who are football fans, uh, Super Bowl is this next Sunday. So for those of you who are excited about that, I'm usually excited more about the food than the game, but hey, it's about fellowship, right? <laughs> Okay, so 4.30 is kickoff. We will be opening the church doors here at 3.30. So if you want to come and mingle, bring your favorite um, football snacks, appetizers, whatever you'd like to bring. And we're just going to be in here watching the game and fellowshipping together. So feel free to do that as well. And then our new church website 
is going to be up this week. Pastor Scott has been working hours upon hours um, getting our new website up. So it's going to be amazing. Um, and that is um, wlcchurch.com. But more will be coming out on that. So check it out because he worked super hard. So, hey, that's all the announcements. So um, going along with uh, Pastor Greg's sermon today, um, he's going to be talking about how we care for the people that sometimes get um, forgotten about. So um, can any of you name who those people are? I'm going to put all of you adults on the spot real quick just for fun. Who are the people that we are called to help and usually get forgotten about? Yes, widows, orphans, who else? The elderly, prisoners, yes, veterans, um, yes, the homeless, thank you. So lots of different people. So um, I was raised um, in a really cool community where I got to know three of my great-grandparents, four of my grandparents, and you just did stuff with elderly people. And I really feel for our children, it's important for them to be with the elderly because they give each other so much. And the elderly has so much wisdom, but yet the kids help bring them joy. And so it's just been really cool to start a program where our kids from our church go to the Aspen Assistant Living the second Monday of every month from 4.30 to 5.30. And we go, and it depends on what we do. Sometimes we'll do a little program and then a craft with them or just fellowshipping with them and having snacks with them. So I've met with Kelsey, the activities coordinator there, and we already have the year planned out. It's going to be super fun. And some of our kiddos who have already gone a couple times are willing to come up and share just kind of their experience with them um, and how they have felt serving and really the elderly people, the residents there, I should say, um, how they also serve us. So if I could have Olivia and Xander and Serene come on up. We had a couple others, but they're homesick too. So we've had about 10 kids come so far. Um, when we go, we go to serve them and they actually end up <laughs> spoiling us because they're super sweet like that. So, um, I'm going to ask um, Olivia, um, so what is something that you've really had fun or experiencing with the residents at the Aspen? Okay. Um, before I got there, I felt really nervous about when when I got there, I found some really nice people who were very nice to me and kind. And I figured out being kind to one another is something that pe some people need. I also found out that there's also some people that we should visit again because they're lonely. So Xander, he's been coming the last couple times, too, having fun with everybody. And then Serene, um, could you, because we're kind of short some people at the Aspen, and you've been in December, which we had total fun, right? Could you share something about the Aspen, but then also you're going to share your heart and also um, with Zuni and how your service to Zuni has been pretty cool in your life, right? Okay. Um, being at the Assisted Living Center, it was a big gift because I got to help the 
elderly people who some of them are depressed or sick and they need someone to give them some joy and happiness. And so it was really great being able to give them that joy and that happiness because they really need that. Um, I also serve in Zuni and New Mexico a lot, um, and that is wonderful because that I've done been able to do so many great things there. I've helped um, a single mom with two of her kids, and I've just helped them kind of grow up. And it was it was really good because I got to be with these little infant children, and then just see them grow up. So that was, it was wonderful. Um, I also, it's so good to go to New Mexico because we go to a children's home. And so I get to see lots of children who they might not have parents or friends, but then I get to help them have so much joy and I can be with them and play with them and it's just such a gift to be able to help people get have joy. It's such a gift. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Oh, our kids. You know, before I became a parent, I thought we were put here on this earth to help our children. But in all honesty, God had something completely different in mind, bigger in mind, and our children helping us, if we're being honest with ourselves. So I'm so, so blessed to have them all in my life, and I'm just excited to keep on this journey and helping other people and loving people to Jesus. So now Pastor Greg is going to come and give us the word today. How are we doing this morning? It's a, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and if you're walking along on a beautiful day in the neighborhood, you will find out that there are people that sometimes we just walk by. There are people that we sometimes overlook, and Scott, if you could bring up the next slide on my keynote. Uh, if you have the Bible app, my notes are there, and there's some instructions. There was a, how, how many of you have the Bible app? Okay, how many of you are looking this up? A chance meeting at a well. And Jesus had come to this place with his disciples, and he was weary. He was tired. One of the proofs that God became man and about his humanity, because Scripture tells us sometimes that he was, he was weary. But in this place, he met a woman from Samaria. And I, I, I want you to realize something right at the beginning God has a calendar. I, I'm thankful that the church has a calendar. How many are thankful for that? And there are certain events on that calendar 
that you can look at and you can get involved in. But God has a calendar. And sometimes I think, well, I know, that God has your name on his calendar at a certain time. And he has somebody else's name on the calendar at a certain time. And you're going to have a divine appointment with that person. Now, we're not talking about the past. We're talking about the present and the future. And Jesus has a divine appointment with this lady. A woman comes along. She was not... I want, you to, I want you to get this clear in your mind. She was not allowed to be part of everyday life in that community. And she needed a guide to help her come back to community. She was, she was the marginalized. She was disenfranchised. She was overlooked. She was talked about. People would walk around her, but this one time, wrong one, oh well, uh, Scott, it's the wrong, if, if, we can get the, if we can get the right one on it, there's just two there, we can get to the other one, no, other, yeah, sorry folks, we, we've had technical issues this morning and I probably didn't help any. If you have your Bibles, turn to me to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 3, while Scott's giving, getting this, it's, it's called John 4, keynote. <clears throat> he left Judea and departed, in verse 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. That's an interesting phrase, because Jews would not go through Samaria they would walk around Samaria. So Jesus came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that, jo- that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, thanks, Scott, that's great, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food, and then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew, that you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. So Jesus came... And he came weary and he came thirsty. He came thirsty, I believe, to minister to a woman who was spiritually dehydrated. How many of you ever been dehydrated? Ever been there? My wife tells me every day, Greg, drink water. How many of you know we need water in, while we're up here? Okay. He came to a region that no Jew would enter. And uh, ignoring the social barriers of his day, and he began a conversation with a woman. 
a Jew would, again, would walk around Samaria. These people were marginalized. They were treated as insignificant. They were overlooked. And besides that, that she was a Samaritan, she was a woman. A rabbi was forbidden to speak to a woman in public. He wouldn't even talk to his wife, his daughter, or his sister, or his mother in public. In fact, some of the Pharisees were called the bruised and bleedy Pharisees because they would go through the streets and they would see a woman, they would close their eyes, and they would keep walking and walk into a wall. That's how crazy they were. Yet, Jesus spoke to this woman with his eyes wide open. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me drink, you would, not, you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well was deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our forefathers Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from him himself, as well as his sons who, and his livestock? And Jesus answered her, whoever drinks from this well will be thirsty again. Now, now get this. I, I drank, just before I came up here, a, a, a drink of water. And I'm almost getting thirsty already. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to her, him, Sir, give me water that I don't have to come to this well anymore. <laughs> it was living water that Jesus spoke of. When Nicodemus came, he spoke to him of eternal things, and Nicodemus didn't understand it either. And neither did this woman, but he spoke of eternal things. He spoke of spiritual things. In ordinary language of the time, Living water was water from a stream that was flowing. Uh, not, not from a stagnant pool, but a stream that was flowing. So the woman was said, where, where are you going to get this water from this stream? There's none around close. But Jesus was speaking to her of things that were eternal, spiritual, not material or natural. A lot of things, times we don't get what Jesus is speaking because he's speaking to us on another level than sometimes we are thinking. How many of you get that? Are you with me? In verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water again, springing up into everlasting life. To partake of this water, one must drink continually. Now, 
I, I pastored for 40 years, and some of you know me, and some people think I'm laid back. I want to share with you that I'm not. And uh, sometimes, sometimes I, I've seen people, I, I had a guy came up to me once and said, uh, I, I knew his church, I knew his pastor, I had spoke there before. His church was a block from where I pastored. And he said, now, Greg, I'm, I'm leaving the church. He said, pastor's not feeding me. I said, well, that's interesting. Why are you talking about it? I, I knew the pastor. He was a great speaker. And every time I heard him, and w when I fellowshiped with him during the week, we prayed together. <laughs> Believe me, if you lived in that town, you needed pastors praying together. <laughs> and we prayed together. And uh, he fed my soul from time to time. And I knew that wasn't the problem. And I asked him, let me ask you something. Monday morning, when you get up, tell me what you do. He said, well, I eat breakfast, and I get ready for work, and I go to work. Well, Monday afternoon, when you get back from work, tell me what you do. I come home and eat, and I play with the kids, and then I go to bed. And I said, where is your devotional time? He said, I don't have any. I said, that's interesting. Because we all need devotional time. We all need that time when we come to Jesus every day and we get into his word and we spend time with him. And when we do that, when we come and hear pastor on Sunday morning, it's like a banquet meal. But when we don't do that, and we come to hear pastor on Sunday morning, it's, it's, it's like we're starving and, and we're not getting enough. How many of you understand what I'm saying? We need to be people in the Word and spending time with God. And I've, I've noticed that when I do that, when I come to church on Sunday morning, even if the worship service is not hitting it right, and believe me, I used to lead worship, and there's times you just don't have it. <laughs> Hello. Even when that happens, I'm still there worshiping God. Why? Because I worship God during the week. How many of you are with me so far? How, how many of you want to go home? Oh, okay. Just one person so far. I'm doing good. In, the, in Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Now, let's go back to the story. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Uh-oh. I, I've noticed, and I, I shared it with a staff the other day, that Jesus has four kinds of conversations. He, he teaches the crowd. He trains and disciples the, the 12 disciples. He, he comes and he encourages people. He does that all the time. 
But notice the people he encourages. It, it's, it, it's those that people look down upon. And then he confronts the religious leaders when they need it. And believe me, if you read through the Gospels, he confronts them. And now he is gently confronting this woman from Samaria. Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you, you say, you speak. Speak well that you have no husband, for you have five hus- you've had five husbands, and the what man you're living with now is not your husband. She, he said, you have spoke truly. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> this is a funny story, folks. <laughs> How many would think that? Our fr- and our fathers, and she's, I, I want you to get in this picture. She's changing the subject. I would too. (laughs) Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship What you do not know, we know what we worship. Our salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. I want you to get this. But the hour is coming and now is where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Uh, I, I want us to get a clear picture on this. Jesus says the Father is seeking those who worship Him. We are to worship Him. And when we worship Him, God is waiting to walk into our lives, to walk into that moment. And when we come to God, I want you to know that God also comes to us. And He wants to honor that time together with Him. For verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When when He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Every aspect of our lives should be centered around worshiping God. Now, I'm, I'm not saying when you drive the car that, that you need to put your hands together and close your eyes. <laughs> I knew a guy that did that once, and I visited him in the hospital. Um, I, I'm not saying that. But be in an attitude of worship. Be in an attitude of prayer. You never know. By the way, when you're driving, when a car will come around another car and come straight at, straight at you. I maybe had that happen. And you know what? When that happens, we know what to do to get out of the way. But I'll tell you another secret. When you're prayed up and you're, 
you've been praying and you've been spending time to God, you can say, God help me! (laughs) And he does! Because he meets you there. But when we're in that attitude of worship, it will affect how you live at home, how you act at play, and your attitude on the job. We come here to worship together to worship God corporately and as we praise the Lord together we celebrate and as individuals we begin to see other people celebrating and we it encourages us to enter in and when you enter in it encourages other people to enter in also and Jesus is talking about worship it will affect how you view people our perspective of others changes when we come into the presence of God, because when we connect with God, when we're in His presence, all of a sudden we look at, we look at people around us differently. We begin to see people as Jesus sees people. And believe me, we see them differently then. Read the Gospels. Jesus spent most of His time with sinners He was confronted by the religious community many times. Why are you spending so much time with these people? The marginalized, the sinners, the ones we overlook. And he was called a friend. Listen to this. He was called, this is tax season. He was called a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And he walked many miles with the marginalized. Worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. He's not limited by time. He is not limited by location. I I, I, I want us to realize that that when when I was in Okinawa, we were praising God. And there there were many times I thought about, you know, what's going on in the church here how Sunday morning, and we were 12 hours ahead of you guys there, and uh, how, how is it going to be? And, I, you know, this is one question I did not ask. God, you're here and you can't be there. Which one do I choose you to be? I didn't have to, I didn't have to think about that because I, God is everywhere. When you miss church, God is there. I drove over here this morning from, from uh, uh, Lake George, driving the church, and there were at least 200, 250 cars going the other way. And I was thinking, what church are they going to? <laughs> I didn't even know they were going skiing. <laughs> and every car that passed, I was thinking, there's another person that needs Jesus because their priority is not the house of God. Their priority is not coming together in worship. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't miss church every now and then for something. I'm not saying that. But where is our priorities? I I could say things, pastor's not here. (laughs) But but God is not limited to location. Our, Our worship must be in spirit and truth. We are to connect with God. So many times we communicate with God 
and we tell him things, but we don't connect, we don't listen, we don't hear what he's saying to us. It is when we connect with God, we become aware of his presence. And then we see differently. Jesus is teaching this one single Samaritan marginalized woman that God wants to connect with you. Even though I have just pointed out the problems in your life, even though I've just pointed out the sins in your life, God wants to connect with you. He wants to clear up that mess in your life. He wants to make a change in your life. Here's a verse on worship. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. As we come to Jesus daily in these connections and we're worshiping him, eventually we will find ourselves on our knees bowed to him and looking to him as Lord of our life. And I believe when we make Jesus Lord of our life, that's when transformation really kicks into us. But I want you to hear this. God desires to connect with you, my friend. God desires to transform your life. Now, let's go on. Verse 28. And the woman... Then left her water pot. Now, this always amazes me. She never gave Jesus a drink. <laughs> she didn't even get one for herself. The woman left her water pot, went her way in the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And it's interesting that the whole city came to that place. Now, I, I, I want us to look at this woman. She's marginalized. She's overlooked. People would walk around her. And all of a sudden, they are listening to her. What was the change? I, I believe this. This is, this is just me. Don't quote me. This is just me. But I believe when she met Jesus, her face was, I'm always overlooked. I'm down. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. You know what I'm saying? How many of you are here this morning? Okay. And, but... When she met Jesus, when she had a communication with Jesus, that there was such a look on her face. There was a, such a hope on the face of this woman that when she walked into that town, her face was beaming. And people saw a difference in that woman. And she went to them and she said, could this man be the Christ? Come. And guess what? 
Everybody in that city came. Wow. You never know the person that you might meet today that is down, and you encourage them, you help them to come to Jesus, how it would change their life, and how they will be an instrument to change other people's lives. And Jesus, when, when the crowd was coming, the disciples came back, and he was doing a little teaching with them, and in verse 35, he says, there, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, look up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are white already on the harvest. And when, when I hear that, I could, I could just picture that whole town coming up to Jesus in these, in these white robes. <laughs> and and he's, he's saying, it's, it's not the wheat that the harvest, folks. It's the people that is coming. For this is saying is true. One reaps and another sows. I sent you to reap that which you have not labored. Others have labored, but you will enter into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word, the woman who testified, he told me all that I did. So that the, when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed two more days. And many others believed because of his word. She walked back into that city to tell others about Jesus. Now, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to us? Perhaps you find yourself like that woman. Your life is in tangles. And you need Jesus to come talk to you. In Revelation twenty two seventeen, the Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him, him who hears come, and let everyone who thirsts come, and whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you hear, if you're here and you haven't had this communication with him, I want you to know that Jesus is also here. And he wants to step into your life. And if everyone would just bow your heads, please. No one looking around. I want to ask if there's anyone here who would say, Greg, this morning I came to this place. I don't know Jesus. Maybe you say, Greg, I'm not sure I know Jesus. Or maybe you would say, I used to know Jesus and I got away from it. And I know it. And I need to come back. I need to come back home. If that's you, can, can you just raise your hand and look up at me and say, Greg, that's me? Anybody? You can look up. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir this morning. But who do we pass by? Who do we pass by that needs to know Jesus? I'm not done yet, but I want us to watch a little video.
I am a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I am a woman of no reputation, save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And otherwise, what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves, and fears. That's too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for, so I don't, not anymore. Now I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain that keeps me in my own private jail, the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well. To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me, but don't need to get to know me for to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And you know me, you actually know me, all of me and everything about me, every thought inside and hair on top of my head, every hurt stored up, every hope, every dread, my past and my future, all I am and could be. You tell me everything, you tell me about me. And that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence, you say I am he. To be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. I believe every person has a right for a presentation of the gospel on their own level of understanding. I believe that. And I believe on God's calendar, your name has been written in ink either today or tomorrow your name is on God's calendar. And He is writing someone else's name. And He will give you a divine appointment. And I want you to know the people we overlook, the marginalized, the people that's sitting on the sidelines. I want you to know that God loves those people. The widows, the orphans, the people in the nursing home the people in the hospitals, even the people in the prisons, those that are overlooked. God loves these people. And He wants to work through you. He wants to work through us to make a difference in their life this week. And I want us to think about that as the worship team comes and we're going to continue to worship this morning. Thank you.
As I said before, as we go back into worship, I invite you to assume the position that you are comfortable worshiping in, sitting, standing, kneeling, praying. Our prayer every week is that you all will make the choice to enter into his presence with us and worship. We're going to sing about the goodness of God.
We open our pain, we open our doubts to you, a faithful God that is good. Father, we open ourselves to you to your leading, to your conviction. Ask that you will show us. Remind us that you are good, not in the American good way, but in the almighty good God way. Reminded today that you are God and that we are not. We all said, Amen.
They're gone. All gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. A flood like a flood. His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing. visitor's dinner we have to put together to have a time of teamwork together. So if you can do that back over here. In, in Matthew, Jesus says when he comes back, he said the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the earth. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. 
I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I, I don't know about you, I was a stranger when I came here and I felt very welcome in this place. Amen? I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will say, Lord, when did all this happen? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these. When you have done it to the marginalized, to the least of these, you have done it also for me. Welcome into your eternal reward. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go out and make a difference in someone's life this week. Amen. Thank you for coming. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so So lay down your burden.